Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, it's time to party! There's a new Nintendo financial report! It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including some amazing sales numbers coming out of Nintendo. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about the things we want to see in Metroid Prime 4. Mark, that one sounds charged to me. In the meantime, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, we, um, My husband and I just purchased a new electric kettle for heating oh, up water and yes. we had an old one that's like years old at this point that we were replacing and when i was shopping for a new one online i was struck by like i uh, like feature envy a little bit like i was looking at some of these electric kettles and it's like i deserve you know like being able to select the temperature of my hot water and like all that kind of stuff and then i yeah. went for it got it set it up and was like oh, i don't like this and so went back to like the <gasps> no. uh, yeah so went back to like the just the standard like boring one but i felt like overwhelmed it was like i felt like i had to make a good decision like the optimal decision for a yes. for an electric kettle decision and that's a lot of pressure yeah. yeah for something that doesn't really matter well i mean the thing that's interesting is that for both for brewing both like coffee uh in like a french press or tea they always say that you should have water that is very hot but not boiling, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like the water should be about 200 degrees. Um, and like there's no way to nail that in on like a, a, a normal kettle. You just got to like let it boil and then take it off heat and then wait for, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Normally you just pour it in and you're like, I don't know. It's too hot. I'm burning the tea. I'm yep. burning the coffee. I don't know. Exactly. And I, wonder, I truly wonder what tea would taste like if I was cooked like preparing it at the proper temperature but i don't know that i'll ever you'll know. never know you will never know <laughs> you've mark you've given up that life you had you had like a window into that you could have been there i tried like, it no. beeped too much it was just it was too <laughs> different i couldn't handle it speaking of things that are too different that you just can't handle it sonic forces my copy of it for the nintendo switch would you like to borrow it? You can or you can certainly try by emailing us at nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com gmail and giving us a mailing address where we can send you my actual cartridge for this game, which I own, but that you can play for as long as you want. Um, and it comes with a little envelope uh, with a return uh, address, return postage. Um, so it, it's, it's a zero risk situation for you. Um, and there are no rules. You can play it for as long as you want. Um, there are no late fees here. There's not even a suggested return by date. That's right. It's like it's like Blockbuster and it's Death Rose, right? Where they're just like, keep it yeah. for as long as you want. Just give us the money. Uh, except in this case, you don't give there us no money. any money. That's right. That's right. So in many ways, this is better than Blockbuster. Um, also making it better than Blockbuster, you may accidentally end up borrowing my copy of Untitled Goose Game, uh, which could just be jammed into uh, a box that says Sonic Forces. You never know. These things just happen. Um, and there's no controlling them except for the fact that i do in fact control them um but it, they go out in the order the requests come in so you know uh, it's, it's a fifo first in first out except that doesn't really apply <laughs> here um and then uh, another thing that we are doing that we need you to email into us we are quickly approaching our 433rd episode if you listen to the show you know that we do a, a segment called 433 wherein mark and i talk about something not nintendo related for four minutes and 33 seconds. We're going to be doing a whole episode of that segment, just back to back to back, 433, 433, 433. And we need your suggestions for topics to talk about for just over four and a half minutes. So we've gotten a couple suggestions in already. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Brennan. Thank you, everyone who has written in uh, you know, before uh, last Thursday. Um, we have all your suggestions. I want more. I want as many suggestions as you can possibly give us, just email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail 
Mark, are you excited for this one or are you dreading it? I am really excited. I feel like, look, I have not been bungee jumping, but I imagine that the feeling I'm feeling for this episode is yeah. like being on the precipice of a bridge, like just about to bungee jump. Right. I mean, the good news there is that we have a net in the form of uh, this is all uh, digital audio. I can edit anything out. We <laughs> nothing, anything that we don't like, no one's going to have to hear. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the promise of every show, right? That's why we keep doing it. Uh, uh, well, is it though? Because we do very little editing out of uh, the things we say on this show. That's very true. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, I edited out a swear word and I was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, can I go first? I want to talk about Cyber Shadow. Yeah, I would love to hear about it. So I picked up Cyber Shadow when it came out last week, Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those two. Um, and it is a an old school 8-bit looking, but obviously, you know, doing things that 8-bit couldn't actually do at the time. Um, Ninja Gaiden-esque game, um, which means that it is a, a platformer action sort of game where you play as a ninja who slowly gathers more powers. Um, and it is, uh, it, it feels a little bit like the messenger, except it never turns into the sort of like Metroidvania, um, of the second half of the messenger. It, it stays pretty strictly, um, like a, a side scrolling, like you just progress through the level. Um, but the thing that I really have to give it up for, for this game is that it is so good and so smart in the way it doles out new power-ups, um, and that the power-ups make you approach the game entirely differently. So. Um, the, when, when you start the game, if just like the original Ninja Gaiden, you can jump and you can swing a sword and like, that's it. Um, and you can't swing a sword up. You can't swing the sword down. All you can do is swing it left or right. And you feel so limited in your ability to do anything. And it feels, it, it almost feels bad at first where you're like, oh, I've played games like this before and I hate this limitation. Why can't I swing up? Why can't I swing diagonally? Why can't I swing below me? Um, why can't I duck? Like, uh, you, you really can't do anything but jump and swing a sword. And run, I suppose. Um, and, uh, you know, s- slowly throughout the for- course of the first couple levels, you gain more attacks. Like, you can throw something. Uh, you get uh, an attack where you can swing the sword up and, like, fire kind of flies out of it. Um, and you get, like, a downward thrust, right? Like, all sort of standard. Um, you're building out your offensive arsenal. But it's from there on that the game gets so much more that that the the upgrades become like game changing um as soon as you can uh cling to a wall and you can do like kind of wall jumping um like i i i giggled with glee when i unlocked that cuz i was like oh my god oh my god i can play this whole game differently now um and then later you get like a a parry ability so that if there's ever anything uh like a projectile coming at you you just tap forwards um and you neutralize the bullet right and it turns into like a glowing blue orb that you can then knock back oh at them, cool um which becomes like a, a cool like offensive slash defensive move and then there's like a dash that comes even later in the game which um starts to make the game almost feel like guacamelee by the end that you are like running and jumping and dashing and like chaining together these um dash strikes it's really really good um and i i'm not quite done with it i think the end of the game does have uh like a difficulty curve slash um some of the boss levels towards the end um are making me do things that aren't playing the game like there's a motorcycle level that feels too much like battle toads for a Mm. game in 2021 um and uh, another where you're in like a mech suit where you're like i i like the way i move i don't want to move around in this mech um, but the game is great. Uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's 20 bucks, I think. Uh, and I've absolutely gotten uh, my money's worth out of it. I, I, I love it. How's the soundtrack? Uh, it's banging. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool um, 8-bit. Um, yeah, it sounds like retro and cool. I would say it's, it's not quite as uh, standout as The Messenger or uh, uh, the Shovel Knight games. Um, there's some really awesome music in, in Shovel Knight. Um, and that's, you know, it, this is good, but it's, I, I don't think I would, in fact, I didn't, uh, count it as like one of the things that I really like about it. Got it. Got it. Um, well, I, I've still been playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, Sharp FE. 
I am maybe like three hours in, but I'm chipping away at it in like little like 15 minute chunks just when I have an opportunity to play here or there. So I'm in the third dungeon, I believe. Um, I am really enjoying it. It is, uh, like I said last week, like it's very um, like heavy in anime tropes. And sure. like some of it's not like awesome. Like there's one character specifically who like, it's like, oh man, did you guys have to do like breast physics? Like, like it's just like a oh, little boy. unnecessary. Yeah. But um, the battle system is a lot of fun. I allow me because it was definitely a mystery to me. So allow me to explain the title: Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Oh, I love it. So Tokyo, because the game takes place in Tokyo. Got that one down. Check Tokyo. Understood. Mirage is because you you are playing as somebody who's like a mirage master and mirages are um they are the uh, at least yours is like the fire emblem like beings like ghosts i guess they're mirages that uh mm. follow you around but they are seemingly from another dimension like Krom, your mirage doesn't remember what happened to him or why he's like here but the bad guys are like gathering mirages from this other dimension and trying to take over our dimension and so you are responsible for holding that back. And there's like an organization of people who are Mirage Masters and their cover is like, um, you know, like pop star talent agency slash pop stars or idols. And so yeah. I, the perfect cover. Exactly. So you are, so you're in Tokyo, but then there uh -huh. are these rifts in the universe and you enter into what is called the idol sphere. And this is where like your um, mirages can aid you and you're attacked by other mirages. And then, uh, oh, yeah, keep going. Cause give me the sessions part. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> sessions is part of the battle system. And essentially what they are is like combos. So you earn like session skills as you um, level up and as you, uh, level up your weapons and when you do a certain skill then if you're uh the people who are on your team have like complementary skills then you do a session which is like you can you are stringing attacks together and you obviously get like bonuses for the more attacks that you string together so i am like super into it you really have to be um of the mindset where you're just like okay i'm like just totally going to embrace um yeah. this experience i uh, because like it's a very it it wears its heart on its sleeve right it's like the type sure. of game where there's like the shy girl who's like i don't know that i can become an idol but then like one cutscene later has become an idol and you're like but i'm like the that like a smart boy that nobody notices but i can do everything and like i i'm not ready to be a backup dancer and one cutscene later you have you to be a backup yeah. dancer yeah um you know and that's that's just the idle life that i'm living now and i love every minute of it um let me ask you this uh and perhaps uh, i'm i'm teasing a little bit uh a reaction to something else i've been playing um but do you find the uh like the cutscenes or like the dialogue portions like overly long or do they feel like kind of snappy like what's what's the pacing on um the sort of dialogue section yeah, I actually think that it's broken up pretty good. Uh, part of it is just the presentation of it in general. So, um, you know, like for the big dance numbers, I guess is what I would call it, like the big performances, those are mostly done with um, like the hand-drawn anime cutscenes. And, um, but the rest of the game like kind of has a uh, lo-fi feel to it, right? Like it feels like a budget title, not in a bad way, kind of like an endearing like, ps2 era type presentation sure, yeah and so there's there is like there are cutscenes, but they're not overly long um yeah i'm surprised usually i'm one to skip stories and sometimes i'll skip through or i'll like move quickly through the dialogue because it's like i get it like even if i'm not reading the specifics like it's kind of clear yeah, to understand you know like what's, what's going right? on but yeah. um uh no overall i'm i'm very happy with the presentation cool um Maybe we should just get to the the thing that I was uh, alluding to just now. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, so I'm playing the Bravely Default 2 final demo, um, which is available on uh, your Switch right now. If you want to play it, you can play like up to five hours of the game. Um, it it's, picks up right after the prologue, um, and you will not be able to carry this save data over into the, the final thing. So like, 
I mean, if you want to play the same five hours of the game twice, like I guess that's yeah, that's, that's just interesting. What you're up for. I feel like there must be a reason they chose to do that. I, I yeah, I I mean, I, I imagine because the the prologue is even chattier and more exposition heavy than mm. um like this part of the game, um which I I find to uh, be oh I. First thing I did was I changed those voice actors from English to Japanese <laughs> um, because there are a lot of just like really atrocious accents uh, oh. ha- happening in there. Can I, uh, that reminds me, can I yeah. quickly interject something about Tokyo Mirage Sessions? So uh, as far as I can tell, the game doesn't have the option for like English voices. It's all Japanese voices. And then you choose the language of the subtitles. Wow. But what's so funny is that like the game like is in battles and like when you're walking around and stuff is constantly talking in Japanese, but they don't subtitle a lot of it. So in battle, like, people are saying stuff, but it's not getting subtitles. So it's like, it I, it might have been really annoying if it was in English, but since it's sure, in Japanese, yeah. it, it kind of just becomes part of, like, the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, which is is totally what I'm doing uh, with um, Bravely Default, where, like, I just, I just don't want to hear, like, I think I fought one fight, and just, like, it was just the chattering in English that I was like, oh, this is too much. Like, I can't. It's it's sensory overload to hear mm-hmm. that many words while you're also playing a game that is, you know, the combat is all menu based, uh, and you're reading all these things and trying to figure out what everything does, and they're talking to you, and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> guys, we can't do this. It's too much. Um, but so I I probably played this thing for like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and it's basically exactly what I feared it was going to be from like the the earlier demos. Um, the, the combat is interesting and like, you can lose a, like a pretty normal fight if you're not like paying attention to it, which, which is interesting and kind of cool. Um, but like everything else feels just like, I don't know, just like a, a weak version of a, a Japanese turn-based, uh, you know, RPG. Um, I don't find the characters to be super compelling. There's, uh, the, the writing is all like super surface level. Um, and the characters all like, you know, spouting exposition at each other. Um, but it does go on for a very long time. So it does have that. <laughs> um, and then like I I was uh in the first like kind of dungeon area that you get into um in Bravely Default. Um, and it is like a desert ruin area. Um, and it is just like I was really disappointed with uh, how like hyper generic this environment mm. was it's just sand and stone and you're just like running around um it doesn't have any sense of like like anything to it like it's just it's just a a wildly uninteresting space uh to, to operate in so i think i'm probably done with it um but you know that's kind of where i was on bravely default before playing the demo um but this just sort of confirms it for me yeah that's disappointing only because like I I think you and I have felt the same about Bravely Default 2 from the beginning where it just kind of didn't really appeal to us the same way Octopath Traveler did. But I kept like yeah. holding out a little bit of hope that it would be more than it appeared to be. And it just doesn't really seem to be. Yeah. It, there's also, uh, and maybe this is just the demo, but it doesn't run great. Mm. Um, like there are a lot of times where like, you know, we'll pop back from like a, a, a dialogue, uh, like a story portion into like the regular game. And like, there's like a weird hitch, and like then uh, characters pop in, and um, so like there, there's just a lot of ways that it doesn't seem to be um, optimized for the only platform it's running on. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's I, I'm there's also I'm never going to get over the the character design in this thing. They're just so they look like weird little porcelain dolls, um, and the the frequency with which it goes to like a separate screen to just like show dialogue between your four characters. And like another person, and like just get close on them, um, but then none of the characters emote in any way that they're just like <laughs> it, it's like the the Pokemon problem that you've mm-hmm. identified before, where you're like, oh, we've rendered these characters too well, so now it looks insane that they're just standing there <laughs> smiling, like sort of half smiling and not blinking. It's like, what is going on? Uh, that that was the majority of my experience with Bravely Default too. <laughs> and uh, that game comes out soon, right? Uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, February sometime. So, hey, we're in February now. We're there now, Mark. It could be out now. It's not it's not now, but it's 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 soon. The game does come out soon. Uh and then I continue to play Final Fantasy 3 on the Super NES Classic Edition. I don't have anything new to add on that. Um I just do love that game. 
Um, all right, uh, though that's what we've been playing this week, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So I don't really have anything that specifically stands out to me from this week uh, in new releases. I don't know about if there's anything you want to comment on, Patrick. I just saw two irresponsible game titles. First irresponsible game title, Cultist Simulator. No, thank you. We don't need any. We don't need uh, to be glorifying any cultists or normalizing it. Uh, and then uh, coming out on Friday, um, there is a game called How to Take Off Your Mask Remastered, which again, irresponsible. Wear your mask. Maintain social distancing. We're so close. The vaccines are out there. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. Well, I guess since it's a remastered game, it's probably from a different time, right? Mm, maybe so it's probably not about taking off your covid related mask <laughs> but even still like regardless of its original intent games are released in the time they are released in so like it, i'm still saying it's irresponsible <laughs> well another thing of note uh, nintendo is having a promotion in the u.s at least it's not clear to me how far this extends uh where you'll earn double gold coins when you purchase select first party titles on the eShop or on nintendo.com so if you want to pick up Paper Mario, The Origami King, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Super Mario Odyssey, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, or New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, um, assuming you purchase them at full price, you'll get 600 gold coins instead of the usual 300. So that's like getting 10% back, basically. Yes, exactly. Which, uh, you know, it's not, shabby. not bad. Not, not nothing, although a lot of these games were um, recently on sale. Um, yes for more than that but yeah <laughs> yeah or for a uh, higher discount than that right and i know if, we we all know what i'm saying <laughs> and if you purchase it on sale then uh you would only get like double the amount of whatever gold coins you are eligible for so if they decide oh, to put a, like yes so they decide to put like new super mario brothers u deluxe on sale in in the month of february then you won't get like 600 gold coins. You'll get double whatever you spent to buy it. Um, is, does this mean that it is time for me to finally buy Paper Mario, the Origami King? Ooh, um, I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I think you might enjoy it as well. Yeah, especially because I've now like reached the point where I'm like, no, I will not be playing Bravely Default 2. Right. Need an RPG. All right, well, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll think on it. Um, all right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are, are uh-oh, talking about Nintendo. <laughs> for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, Thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are ranking winter activities. We listed the winter activities. Can you read them out for us now? Yes. Uh, skiing slash snowboarding, ice skating, hot cocoa consumption and making, presumably, um, building a snowman, stressful driving, uh, scraping ice off your windshield, shoveling the, your driveway, snowmobiling, cross-country slash snowshoeing, um, coat shopping, Generally getting cozy and, of course, observing the northern lights. Now, I think for both of us, some of these are maybe more theoretical than something we've actually participated in. Uh, I think for me, the only one I've not participated in at all is observing the northern lights. I think I've actually never been skiing or snowboarding, so I'm confident that if I tried, that's how I would die. Um, but I <laughs> think maybe everything else I've done in some form or another, oh, except northern and lights, I of course. Uh, and I've only been snowmobiling, I, I believe, once. I believe I have been snowmobiling. It's possible that I have not. I, I remember it being a very popular thing at... Um, my, my parents owned a like uh, crappy condo in the north woods of Wisconsin, just on the other side of the Wisconsin, Wisconsin um, uh, UP, Michigan border, um, where we would go and then go skiing at uh, Big Powderhorn Mountain and Indian Head and porcupine mountains uh those are like the three big like ski uh places up there and there there was a big snowmobiling scene um in like the lake that was sort of behind the condo mm -hmm. so i think i did it once but mostly i, I was a kid and i was scared of the <laughs> snowmobiles 
But Mark, I think we have to, have to, have to put really low on our list um, the shoveling driveway, uh, scraping ice off your windshield, and stressful driving. Those are all bottom bottom of the barrel for me. Yeah, for sure. And really, we can do it in any order you want, because I think it's they're all pretty much equally terrible. Uh, I will go. I will go ahead and say that I think stressful driving is easily the worst one. Um, just because I have been, I've been on a trip where I was driving somewhere to ski. I was going to do one of the ones that I will put at near the top of our list. Uh, and lost control of the car, spun around uh, twice completely, um, and uh, was terrified because it just happens. It's just like a thing. Like you could die because of the snow. It's terrible. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. And then uh, I think ice scraping is definitely the least worst of these things, even though it is not necessarily fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it happened. It is required more often, um, but shoveling the driveway takes forever. Um, so the, those are definitely the worst. Um, what what of the like good things? I so I I think I want to put snowmobile like kind of next on this list because as as I mentioned, it scared me as a kid. Well, uh, I think, oh, uh, sure. I mean, I'm not going to argue too hard on any of these. Uh, for me personally, like snow cross country or like snowshoeing, I've never been cross country skiing, but I don't like, uh, I think in my mind, I don't love being outside in the cold and I know that you can bundle up and like dress warm for it, but like Mm -hmm. outdoor activities in general, like don't super appeal to me, but the ones I do like are still up higher on this list, like ice skating or building a snowman. Yeah, well, and the problem with cross-country skiing and snowshoeing is that it's just too much leg motion. You just have to do too much work with your legs. Like, skating and skiing and snowboarding, that's all just about maintaining balance, right? And then, <laughs> right. I mean, like, that, that, that is most of it. Yeah. Cross-country, cross-country skiing, you are propelling yourself. Like, the skis are there to keep you from, like, falling through the snow. But, like, it's a lot of work. What do we do about seeing the Northern Lights? Because I've never done it. In theory, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. I think it goes number one. (laughs) (laughs) A theoretical number one, possibly with like a real number one, which I would probably put as getting cozy. I think that's probably one of my favorite things to do in the winter. Yeah, getting cozy is pretty rad. I I would also say I'm going to put getting cozy above the Northern Lights. Um, If for no reason, no other reason than like, I like to get cozy when it's not winter. Mm, it could be fall mm-hmm. and I'll be like, hey, let's get cozy. <laughs> uh, I've actually, uh, and I think maybe coat shopping is where it's supposed to be, kind of like in the middle of this. Sure. But I feel, but I enjoy coat shopping. Shopping for jackets is maybe my favorite piece of clothing to shop for. Mm, better than shoes? Uh, ooh, yeah, but I think better than shoes. I okay. do think better than shoes. Okay um well, what about okay so we've I, I i think you're right that it right now we have it just above cross-country uh skiing slash snowshoeing it probably goes there how do you feel about uh hot cocoa the preparing and drinking of i uh i'm bullish on it in like theory in practice i don't drink a lot of hot cocoa but i love the idea of drinking hot cocoa here's the problem with a hot cocoa is that it's a whole cup of chocolate <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we we didn't uh, we didn't figure this thing out. Um, we're not coming back to this. But uh, that was it. That was our <laughs> that was our ranking. Uh, we were accompanied today by an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. Mark, let's get into the news. It's the ritual we all look forward to every three months. It's time for Nintendo's latest financial report, and this one is a little bit of a doozy. Um, it obviously includes the holiday sales. I think all of this is up to the end of December 2020. So, um, yeah, needless to say, this like Nintendo and the Switch kind of had a crazy good year. Yeah, I'm all about this. This is so exciting to me. This is so fun. Um, like it's it's I look. I understand Nintendo's not my friend, uh, but it is a company that I like. And so I feel good when they succeed. Does that make me a shill for Nintendo? Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I like them. Seeing, these, seeing big numbers is also always fun, right? Yeah, totally. Well, since the system launched in March of 2017, 
an estimated 74 million switches have been sold out of uh, almost 80 million switches shipped worldwide. Um, which is pretty cool. It means that they're like also kind of starting to catch up with demand um, and have like switches on shelves for people to um, buy that aren't, you know, uh, like because there was a problem there for a while of like you couldn't find one. Um, but now, uh, now, now you can, and they're still selling a bunch. Yeah, so we're going to run through um, a bunch of numbers here. But basically, like I mentioned, everything um, is ref- up, reflective up through December 2020. And we're largely pulling from a gamesindustry.biz article written by Christopher Dring. So check out the article for more details and numbers that we're not talking about here. Um, with uh, shipping almost 80 million Switches worldwide, uh, the Switch has now officially surpassed lifetime sales of the Nintendo 3DS and is the fifth best-selling Nintendo hardware of all time. Um, the only ones above it now are the Nintendo DS, which has sold 154 million, the Wii, which sold 101.6 million, the original Game Boy at 118.7 million, and then the Game Boy Advance at 81.5 million. Seems like that Game Boy Advance is going to be dethroned pretty soon, right? Yeah, possibly like, by the end of like the next time we talk about this. Yeah, um, but man, it's it, it never fails to amaze me how many Nintendo DSs were sold. Uh, One hundred and fifty-four million is so many, and it's so many more than the Wii. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's fifty percent more than the Wii sold. Fifty percent. Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy because like the Wii, like like there was a period where the Wii was just crushing it, but then like the last few years of its yeah. life, the Wii was doing like respectively, res- respectively, but not like awesome. Um, the Nintendo DS, they were issuing like limited editions and yeah. you know like new revisions. Like you had the Nintendo DS, then the DS Lite, and then the DSi. I mean, I think I bought five or six Nintendo DSs of various models um over the lifetime. It was like DS Mania. And yeah. I caught the fever. They also, uh, they also made a lot of Pokemon games for it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, great point. Um, th- a total of 532.34 million Switch games have been sold since launch in March 2017. That's uh, an attach rate of 7.2 games per system. And again, that's third for Nintendo platforms overall. Numbers one and two are, uh, number one is the DS. With almost a billion uh, software sales, it's wow. 948.72 million software sales, an attach rate of 6.16 games per system. And then the Wii is 921.85 million units of software sold, uh, which is like 9.1 games per system. I was surprised at how high that attach rate is. I wouldn't have thought that people bought nine games on average for their switch yeah or for their uh, for their Wii. yeah that was that was a surprise to me too um and then while we're only uh three quarters of the way through nintendo's fiscal year uh which ends at the end of march nintendo has already reached the goals that they set out for the 2021 uh fiscal year which are net sales of 13.4 billion which is a 37 percent um gain from fiscal year 2019 to 2020 right so just there's a lot of numbers there so just to throw the brakes on for a second uh, we are only 75 percent of the way through their fiscal year and they've already reached their goal which in and of itself is one third higher than what they sold the entirety of last year so they're in good shape right now uh 77.6 percent of their overall business is coming from outside of japan which means that all like m- almost a quarter of all of their business is just from Japan, which means this is they, wild to me. <laughs> <laughs> they must be just completely dominating Japanese sales right now. Yeah, the video game market in Japan is the Nintendo Switch, it seems. That's scary a little bit cuz like what if Nintendo's next system does not do well? I don't know. Then you know, <laughs> then people move over to PlayStation Five. I don't know. I don't know. Um, revenue for digital game sales, DLC, and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions is up 105 percent over last year. Not a huge surprise with um, you know, all, all the COVID restrictions we've seen. I think earlier in the year, like around um, the launch of Animal Crossing: New Horizons, 
like over 50% of their sales in that quarter were digital. And we've seen it kind of like slowly even out over the past few quarters. Like uh, the holiday quarter seemed like it was up over last year, but not like dramatic, not as dramatically yeah. as we were seeing earlier. Um, even the mobile business, remember when Nintendo, when Nintendo was releasing mobile games, uh, is up from last year. A measly 14%, but still. It's still it's still up. Still still up over last year. Um speaking of Animal Crossing's New Horizons, the game has not even been out for a year, and it has sold thirty one point eighteen million copies. That's and that's a number worth stopping on, because that is so many copies of Animal Crossing. I mean it's it's sort of not a surprise, really, right, to hear that they've just absolutely ran away with uh, sales of this game. Um, Because, like, everyone that I know who plays a Switch has played this game, like, and owns it. Like, it just was the point of conversation online for a long time. Um, And I know a lot of people, like, sort of uh, cite the pandemic as, like, you know, everyone was staying at home, and so, like, this was a, a substitute for social interaction. And, like, that's definitely part of it. But I think a lot of what happened was this is the first time Animal Crossing was connected to a device that allowed you to share screenshots and video and stuff. Because, like, there were months when that's, like, all I saw on Twitter was, like, people playing Animal Crossing. Um, and, like, I would have seen that pandemic or no pandemic. Um, that, like, that's, for me, the big distinguishing uh, feature between uh, all previous iterations of Animal Crossing and this is that it was easily shareable what you were up to. Yeah, I, I, I think that's definitely a huge part of it. I think it was, yeah, like you said, it's the perfect storm yeah. for Animal Crossing New Horizons. And like 31.18 million copies in less than a year. I mean, to put that in context, it is less than Super Mario 8 Deluxe has um, shipped, but not by very much. Uh, Super Mario 8 Deluxe has cumulative sales of 33.4 million copies, which is a ton. But uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons has almost caught that in less than a year. In fact, I think uh, Super Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best-selling game on Switch. It is. And now it's like by a hair, and Animal Crossing New Horizons will probably have surpassed it by uh, in three months' time. By the actual end of the fiscal year, yeah. It'll be crazy to see, man. Because like, it, you know, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe like feels like such a, uh, it feels like an untouchable, like a perennial, an obvious suggestion. Oh, you got a Switch? Make sure you get Mario Kart 8. Um, and like for Animal Crossing, which is a, a, a very good game, but I feel like a little bit more of a qualified recommendation. Like, do you like this kind of game? Um, and maybe just the answer is like, why sh- we should stop putting that caveat on there. Like, I know you'll just like the game. Everyone plays it. <laughs> It's it's uh Animal Crossing New Horizons I believe has sold more copies than all the other Animal Crossing games combined at this point. Would not surprise me. Uh speaking of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe combined with the Wii U version of Mario Kart 8, the game's total sales are at 41.86 million units, making it combined the best-selling Mario Kart game of all time, surpassing the previous title holder which was Mario Kart Wii at 37.38 million units, which again, in just a few months, um, Animal Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is going to single-handedly be the best-selling Mario Kart game ever. Yeah, yeah, wild. <laughs> the the Switch is it's a it's a success machine, and it just it's yeah. it's crazy to like see these things uh, like just sort of compounding where you're like, oh man, this Animal Crossing thing is uh, its success is unprecedented. And then it's like, oh, except I guess it's precedented by this other unprecedented success. <laughs> well, Mario I mean, Kart 8. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, like, so Pokemon Sword and Shield has sold close to 24 million copies, making it the first Pokemon since Gen 2's uh, Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver to sell over 20 million. So it's like, yeah, like, the Switch is seemingly has, like, the Midas touch, where it's like everything is just like, and it helps that the games are good. Right, the yeah. games that they're like releasing, like Animal Crossing: New Horizons, is great. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is basically the definitive Mario Kart game. Like that obviously helps a lot, 
But yeah, this the whole thing is just kind of like a perfect storm. It's really wild. And again, it is worth uh, reiterating that the Game Boy, which uh, Gen 2 Pokemon games were on, there were 118.7 million Game Boys in the wild at that, or ne- maybe not at that point, but by the end of it, its life cycle, there would be that many, um, which is more than there are Switch. So like the percentage of Switch owners that own um, this Pokemon game is higher than the percentage of Game Boy owners that owned the Gen 2 one. So like, yeah, they, they, yeah just exactly what you're saying, that like it is, the, there's a uh, magnifying principle of like, if a game is good, it's going to sell super well on Switch. And so real quickly, um, just some other sales numbers from the last nine months, uh, included with some commentary from Imran Khan uh, on Twitter. I was I, I saw him tweeting about it and I was like I gotta include because he had he had some uh, genuinely funny observations of, about some of these sales numbers. So Super Mario 3D All Stars has sold 8.32 million. I'll let you do the commentary, Patrick. Uh, Imran notes that uh, it has far outsold Super Mario Maker 2, um, which is I mean I, Super Mario Maker 2 I believe sold somewhere in like the low two millions, um, which is just sort of a, a weird. Uh, it feels like that game deserves better, but maybe like the maker tag. Like I don't know if if uh, there is as wide of an audience for a um, user generated content game, right? Like I, I think there's just a little bit of like, a, oh, I have to be creative to play this thing. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, I to- I yeah. I totally think so. And then I think the other thing with Mario Maker Two is that they did release other like new updates for it, and substantial updates. But I felt like it really would have benefited from having a like a development path announced totally. and like laid yeah. out and been like, here's the content that you're going to get and here's our plan for support and here's what you can expect. I think it really would have benefited from that. 100%. And I think it also would have just benefited from, which you know now I'm just creating an alternate universe, um, of just uh, more Nintendo-made levels added to like the story mm-hmm. mode. Um, if if they just did that, uh, like five new levels every couple months, like that'd get people coming back to it. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Paper Mario: The Origami King has sold a little over three million units at three point zero five. Uh, the Imran uh commentary here is Origami King could theoretically catch up to Super Paper Mario, um, which sold four point two three million copies, uh, and become the best selling Paper Mario game. Pikmin Three Deluxe has sold one point nine four million. Uh, Imran notes best-selling Pikmin game at just under two million, which kind of speaks to how bad Pikmin games sell. <laughs> uh, but I, this is definitely setting things up for a Pikmin four, though, if they want to go there. Yeah, I, it's it is it is funny that it is a a like re-release of three um, that isn't like that. That's the only measurement that they have on Switch. Um, if it is like a new game. Um, that would have more sort of like word of mouth behind it. Like, I think it would definitely sell more. Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, which is like the AR game, is uh, over a million units sold, 1.08 million. That means that there are a million like go-kart, like little remote control cars in people's houses. And then finally, Ring Fit Adventure uh, sold 5.95 million in the last nine months for a cumulative total of 8.68 million Ring Fit Adventures sold. Wow. Um, and this is my favorite uh, I- Imran uh, comment here and why I started uh, putting them into our show notes here. He notes, I think Ring Fit Adventure is the best-selling new JRPG IP of this generation. <laughs> Which, That's like, crazy. It, it's, it's a wild classification. Like, is Ring Fit Adventure a JRPG? Like, uh... Yeah, I think it might be. <laughs> yeah, we might have to update our ranking of the greatest RPGs of all time. Oh my gosh, yes, we will. And, and of the Nintendo RPGs. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, that is it for Sales Talk. Anything further, Patrick, that you wanted to mention or talk about before we moved on? No, it's just, it's, it's just an impressive list of numbers. Um, and it, it makes me, um, you know, like it has been... Well, Nintendo is obviously on fire financially this this year, and on fire in a good way. <laughs> they they are doing well. Um, that it it, ha- it certainly feels like their release schedule has like slowed, or we we've had these periods that feel like they're holes in in the release schedule. 
uh, and be that, you know, if that's from uh, because of COVID or because of, you know, whatever, um, it, maybe we're just in like a downtime for Nintendo releases. It makes me wonder like how this success affects what they do next. Um, yeah, totally. Like if they're like, oh, you know what? We, we're safe. We're comfy. There's no reason to rush out a game. Um, Metroid Prime 4, it's not done. Let's let it, let's let it cook a while longer. Breath of the Wild 2, let's let it cook a little longer. Bayonetta 3, we'll get to that later. Let's let it cook a little longer. Um, or if uh, they, we have now been in that period of like, oh, we're already doing good, so there's no reason to rush these things out. If now we will like reap the benefits of a sort of quiet year with like a bunch of new uh, great games. Yeah, it's so hard to know because, you know, the reports um, early in the pandemic were that Nintendo, and uh, as well as a lot of Japanese companies, were having, like, a really difficult time transitioning yeah. to working at home. And so I in I uh, talk online from people from, like, Jason Schreier, who's a reporter for Bloomberg, you know, is that 2021 is actually, like, when we're going to see those big game delays, like, actually start. Totally. Um, and so I, I, it's, it's so hard to know because yeah, I like if, if I, in my heart, I would love for 2021 or 2022 to be like huge years. Like we had in like 2017, but more likely I think 2021 is going to look like 2020 did. Yeah. I think that that's pretty realistic. Although I, I almost wonder if it'll be quieter because it will lack the you know, megaton uh, of Animal Crossing. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, like, I think Monster Hunter Rise will be a big deal, but sure. it'll be big deal in, like, a different way because it's, you know, it, it's just not going to attract, like, the. I mean, people like me, who it's like, I was all in on Animal Crossing, but Monster Hunter just doesn't appeal to me in the same way. You know, they do have... Uh, like the Zelda's 35th anniversary and like Metroid's 35th yeah. anniversary and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, like, uh, Zelda obviously holds a soft spot in a lot of people's hearts, but it doesn't, it's not the same way as, um, Mario does. So I right. don't think, you know, like you can, you can do a Zelda blowout if you want to, but I kind of feel like they're not going to just because I just don't know that it'll get the same sort of traction. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, again, Super Mario 3D All-Stars sold 8.32 million since it came out in like august or whenever that was september i forget when exactly it was um but not that long ago right like and uh, <laughs> theoretically the game will only be on sale through the end of march um but uh still it's it would it would be surprising to me if they put out like a zelda collection if it came anywhere near that right yeah so yes yeah totally but also, okay. that would be a good Moving. way to... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, two, two things. That would be a good way to uh, shut us up about uh, Nintendo releases not coming out. Like, put out a Prime uh, collection, put out a, a 3D Zelda collection, and we'll be happy. Um, but also, <laughs> uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know that there's too much uh, that we can theorize about here, um, but, like, do you think this speaks to... Um, wh what do you think this says about any incoming switch revision um do you think that this makes it more likely less likely if they're already selling so many why put out something new why fracture this uh this uh install base um yeah yeah it's it, it's a gr it's a great point and in the um like press release for the results the president of nintendo um shintaro furukawa is that his name i feel like i messed that up furukawa I think it's Furukawa. I think you got okay, it. Okay, yeah. I think you nailed so it, Mark. He, he, he said, <laughs> he said um, that, uh, like, that there are no immediate plans to announce, like, any new Switch hardware. Now, he, said not, he said not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. So, like, what does that mean? I, but it, you look at, um, you know, companies like Xbox and uh, PlayStation and... Uh, whoever it is that like put out that new graphics card that everybody wants and nobody yeah, can get a hold of. yeah yeah nvidia and they're all saying like microsoft is saying it's not going to be until at least like april that supply will start to get better and you know some playstation supply is still tight nvidia's like you know like second half of the year and so i it like where are they going to manufacture it unless yeah totally so i don't so i don't know it 
I, I really don't know. Do you have all these rumors and, you know, like um, reports of a Switch revision coming and maybe it still is, but like later in the year or next year or never, it's just impossible to say. I mean, I, the more that we like sit in the Switch's success and with sort of the uh, supply constraints of the, the other new generation um, consoles, um, the more I'm like, I don't, it, we don't, I don't think we need it this year. I think that the Switch can chug along at the um, power that it has and Nintendo can develop for it as they have been doing. Um, and like, it'll be fine for all of 2021, maybe even all of 2022. Like if we don't have a Switch and then, you know, by like 2023 or so, I think it, it should be the next Nintendo thing, whether that is like a true like Super Switch or uh, something like that, um, that that could happen then. Uh, but even then would have truly would have to be fully backwards compatible. Like, I, I don't think there's a universe where in, in the next 10 years, they release a system that can't play your Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, right? It seems like they've like come up with something that is so appealing, just this yeah. like um, hybrid format. And it it just feels like it's been a few generations since we've seen Nintendo be content with just like, updating the like graphical capability yeah. of a system and calling it good and so i'm a little bit nervous about what like the next system will bring yeah um <laughs> if they're like great we like did this and now we're now we are going to like pivot and blow this whole thing up it feels unlikely but at the same time i have a hard yeah time believing that nintendo's like the next decade of Nintendo looks like it looks right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there there is also something too. Like, um, Nintendo has maybe discovered the way that they can uh, have something that is like you know universally um, appealing, like for people who play games, and you know not not as much um, with with the Switch, while also experimenting and doing the sort of like more out there kind of things, like Labo, like Ring Fit Adventure, like um, Mario Kart Live that those are all like sort of substitutes for uh, turning the GameCube into a Wii, right? Like they're yeah. doing all of these things that uh, are uh, accessible on different levels that aren't just you holding a tr controller and playing a game. Uh, well, also just giving you a controller so you can play a game. And also, you know, it's totally possible that uh, if they do decide to go in a totally different direction, it'll surprise and delight me. And yep. I'll be like, how did we ever, why did we ever put up with a Switch in the first place? I am always prepared to be surprised and delighted. Mark, we can move on from this subject now. Okay. All right. We got, uh, we'll, we will, we have some more news to get through and we yes. will try to get through it in a appropriate amount of time. Um, <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons released a new update on January 28th. Uh, it's to celebrate a new holiday. It's uh, Festival content, which is the Mardi Gras-esque holiday on February 15th, featuring Pave, the peacock. You collect feathers and make him dance. Um, this one seems like fun. I'm looking forward to this holiday. I like, look, I've enjoyed all of the holidays, like actually existing on uh, that, that day and seeing all of my animal neighbors out and like doing stuff. Um, when they're just like skipping around the, uh, the, the courtyard in, in the middle there uh, and just everyone's smiling and having a good time. Mwah! <laughs> There's also a handful of new items available from Nook, Nook Shopping, including a Mr. Rossetti figurine to celebrate Groundhog's Day. So nice Which to give a shout is. out to Mr. Rossetti. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Happy Groundhog's Day. Um, Valentine's Day items, including a bean tossing kit for Setsuban. So that's that's not that that's not a Valentine's Day item. That is, uh, there is a Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, I Valentine's see. Day I items. understand. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I got look. I got really excited about the Mr. Rossetti figure and like knocked that out as its own bullet point. And then the rest of these are just like one. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. So there are there are Valentine's Day items, comma a bean tossing kit for Setsuman, comma Korean New Year items, comma Chinese New Year items, comma and even some football related items to celebrate the Super Bowl. Although they call it the big game. So <laughs> the big game. Yep. Right. No copyright or trademark infringement there. Um, there's also other little fixes and improvements, particularly around Pascal and a bug that made it so he wouldn't give out the mermaid fence, do-it-yourself recipe. 
it's very specific, but I'm sure if it happened to you, it'd be infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, the video announcing this update teased the next free update coming in March. Uh, March 20th will be the first anniversary of the game's launch, and the slide announcing the update has a superstar and a super mushroom on it. So I wonder if uh, it'll be a Mario or Mushroom Kingdom related update to kind of round out uh, this Mario 35th anniversary celebration. I hope so. I'm 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 very excited for them to start putting uh, other Nintendo property related stuff in this game because like that that's sort of a an Animal Crossing staple, right? That like you start to get uh, you know outfits from other games, um, items that a- appear in other games. Uh, and look, I have long held that I want Toad to move in on my island. Oh my god, if Toad could just live on my island, and it also just it'd also just be cool to see what year two looks like, right? Yes. We've already had a year of Animal Crossing New Horizons content, and so when you know Bunny Day comes up again, is it going to be the same thing? Is it going to be the same thing but with new additions? Is it going to Bunny Day is going to exist, and then they're going to do like another update? you know, like, uh, staggered between the updates we had last year. I'm just so curious to know. Yeah. Well, and uh, last year, Bunny Day and the Cherry Blossom Festival were already happening at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, I hope they just keep layering on <laughs> uh, festivals and holidays just over and over. Uh, Patrick mentioned it earlier, but when are we going to find out more about Bayonetta 3? We haven't really heard anything since 2017 at this point. Um, but Platinum Games Hideki Kamiya was recently interviewed by VGC, and the conversation turned to the upcoming game and the possibility of getting some kind of announcement or trailer this year. Um, but he deflected, saying, quote, I understand it's driving the fans crazy. In light of that, my suggestion would be that maybe we should all reset and forget about Bayonetta 3. Then when something finally does happen, it will be a nice surprise, won't it? Uh, gotta love Kamiya. It's, it's such a great deflection where it's like, look, I don't have anything to tell you. Like, just be cool and be excited about it later when I do have something to say. It does seem like this game probably has suffered some sort of development problems. Probably, yeah. I mean, just like everything, right? Right. Yeah, I guess that's fair. That's totally fair. Hey, here's an update from back in of a news item from December 2019 when it was revealed that the Sony-developed MLB The Show baseball game would be going multi-platform in the future. Um, at the time, Nintendo of America's Twitter account retweeted the, retweeted the announcement, leading to speculation that the game would show up on Nintendo platforms. And you know what? Maybe it will someday in the future, but that day is not going to be April 20th, 2021, when the next edition of MLB The Show releases on Sony and Microsoft consoles, including last-gen consoles. Yeah, so that uh so that's the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox 1 and Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. Um <laughs> but not Nintendo consoles, which still like all of that would be even like the lowest spec version of that is going to be kind of too powerful for um a, a Switch to run, right? So it, even if that is within like their their game plan at some point, I could see them needing more than the you know, five months uh, of of notice from December 2019 to April. T- oh no, I guess April 2021 is not <laughs> is not a mere uh, uh, five months, uh, but 17 months. But even still, like to build a sort of like separate version of the game that can run on uh, markedly weaker soft or hardware. Um, yeah, seems like a lot. And like you know, maybe it was in development at some point, and then it got cut. Yeah. Um. Because of like like technical issues, maybe it's like hanging out with Steep for Nintendo Switch. Oh. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh you know or like maybe the social media intern who or the person who runs Nintendo of America social media like they don't necessarily know a for everything and so maybe they retweeted or liked it out of um just general excitement. They're just big baseball fans. Yeah. There we go. We'll never know. Uh, yesterday, Nintendo announced a new partnership with Burger King in the United States, Canada, and Latin America. So now through March 15th, you, get, you can get one of six Nintendo toys in King Jr. meals. Um, in the U.S., if you purchase a Super Mario meal on the Burger King app or website, 
you get entered to win a Switch prize pack. And I hear what you're wondering. It is what is a Super Mario meal? And it is a Whopper, a small fries, and a small drink. Okay, a, a Whopper Junior, I assume. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think just it's a regular, regular old Whopper. Oh, these are so these are two different things. For the King Junior yeah, meal, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what's in those, but uh, those are like the Happy Meals of Burger King. The, the Super Mario meal is like a combo for adults or people with big appetites or whoever orders a combo. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. The part that I uh, so if you order a Super Mario meal, you get you can be entered for a Switch prize pack. But this is the part that like feels very like uh, gamer fuel, like Mountain Dew gamer fuel to me. Is that if you uh, you re- you can receive a hundred My Nintendo Platinum points with your purchase of a Super Mario meal between February eighth and February twenty second. So if you want to load up on Platinum points. You can just order like a bunch of uh, Super Mario meals. Uh, that is super weird, and the platinum points are not are the like not super useful ones. Um, I'm glad that this isn't like a a mission for Mario 35th mm. anniversary, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, Good point. Have you, have you taken a look at these toys? Uh, I I saw them in like the announcement, and they're like uh, they're from all over the place like there's um, mostly mario uh, but yeah there is mostly mario but there's like a link from link's awakening mm-hmm. like the switch version so there's a few other ip in there um i gotta say these are really crappy looking toys <laughs> <laughs> well patrick i hope i think we should all join hands and cherish this statement from nick chavez nintendo Wait. of america's senior vice president of sales and marketing that was included in the with the press release um he says quote Nintendo has always had a mission of delivering smiles to families, and we're delighted to work with Burger King to deliver smiles through our partnership together. Whether families are ringing Mario's Super Bell power-up, or they simply want to ring the dinner bell in style, we hope everyone can look forward to some king-sized Nintendo fun at Burger King. End quote. Oh, man. Oh, man. pretty painful yeah that that's rough do you think that that like comes across his desk for him to sign off on and he just like sighs but like that's your job right when you are the senior vice president of sales and marketing is to like have these quotes and these press releases words you never uttered be put into print well i mean god that implies then that there was someone at nintendo and now we're just ragging on someone who wrote a thing because they had to. <laughs> but that that was like, okay, so what is what's the connection between uh, Nintendo and uh, and Burger King? And they're like, I don't know. Is there like a dinner bell? Is that a thing? Is dinner bell a thing? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say like dinner bell, like ring the dinner bell. Yeah, that's a saying. And someone's like, okay, so we can connect that to the to the cat bell. They're like, but you don't really like ring the cat bell. And they're like, look, man, I don't know. It's five o'clock. I want to go home. <laughs> mission accomplished they yeah. they they got there they got there they got there um and then finally on uh last thursday's episode which was part two of the abcs of nintendo sports i talked about a deal that nintendo had with ea in 2005 to feature nintendo characters in three ea sports titles and uh the two i knew about that i found in my research were nba street 2 and ssx on tour which featured mario luigi and princess peach as playable characters but I couldn't still, find any still information. Still wild, by the way. They're, is, they're, they're, they're like mascot characters in totally a game with crazy. Like real people. It's amazing. Uh, I couldn't find any information about what the third game was because I assumed that it would feature Mario, Luigi, and Peach. But it turns out that is not the case. Mm. The third game was Fight Night Round 2, which is EA's, or I guess was, I don't think they've made one for a while, but was like EA's boxing franchise. Okay. And the Nintendo version of it featured Little Mac. But it's the Little Mac from the Super Punch-Out game. So it's like kind of the weird blonde Little Mac. Um, And so in his 3D render in Fight Night Round 2, he looks like a Dick Tracy villain. Like it is not (laughs) a good, it's not a good look. Um, But Super Punch-Out 2 was included as a bonus game in uh, Fight Night Round 2. Which wait, su- Super Punch Out? Yeah, Super Punch. Oh yeah, sorry. Super Punch Out was included as a bonus game within the GameCube version of Fight Night Round Two. 
Okay, so that is a whole new... At some point, you and I should go through uh, like the lineage of Punch-Out! and its sequels and its spinoffs and its ripoffs. Uh, and evidently this, like the series has a weird history, even though you're like, yeah, there are three Punch-Out! games, Punch-Out! Super Punch-Out! and Punch-Out! on Wii. But there's like a dozen of them. And each one is weirder than the last and more bootlegged <laughs> and like halfway made up. It's all it's a, it's a strange history. And this is just one more uh, amazing chapter in it. I really, Patrick, I encourage you to uh, Google Little Mac from Fight Night Round 2 because but uh, do it at a time when like no children are present because it is a scarring, <laughs> scarring experience. Uh, well, no, I, I, I want to do it now. Are, are there children present now? Oh my God. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. It's genuinely an unfortunate render of Little Mac. Yeah, and that is 100% the, the Little Mac from Super Punch Up. Uh, all right, Mark, let's uh, close out the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You can share it on wherever you share stuff, uh, Facebook or Twitter. We appreciate it when you do that. We can be followed on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at NinCart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, bring back regular Little Mac. And thank you for listening. is Will Himes, and I am a ghost writer, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.